Great news for Informed Pregnancy Plus subscribers. Dive into our Core Connection course included with your subscription. Hosted by Natalie Headings, a pre- and postnatal exercise specialist and ACSM certified personal trainer, she's an incredible teacher. This five-video series equips you with essential insights to understand what your pelvic floor and core are, how they work, and how to enhance pelvic floor and core strength and proper function during and after your pregnancy and birth. Learn about pelvic floor basics, key postural adjustments, effective muscle releases, and breathing techniques for a healthier core and floor. Don't wait. Visit informedpregnancy.tv and get started with the invaluable core connection today. Welcome to the Informed Pregnancy and Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. L.A. Berlin, and I'm joined by two fabulous guests today. Bliss Young supports families on their parenthood journey as a home birth midwife. She's also a childbirth educator, placenta encapsulator, and a natural birth and family consultant. Welcome back. Thank you so much. It's been forever. I know. (laughs) And our other guest today is Ashley Williams. She is a wife, mother of two, and film and TV actor. And she's also a trained labor and support doula with quite a bit of an experience, actually. What are you surprised? Because I have several friends who are actor doulas, and they don't have quite a bit of experience on the doula side. Yeah, that's all I did for a while. Right. But that's why my surprise. Mm -hmm. Usually, like, you're an actor, and you're like, it really interesting. You might think I'm more successful an actor than I am. (laughs) Because I could not, I could not be an actor and a doula at the same time. I wasn't good at it. I, I think that's why it's hard to do both at the same time. Yeah, I couldn't so do it. Most so I of... wasn't acting when I wasn't acting. I was a doula, and there was a lot of time when yeah, I was. You went to a lot of births. I yeah, I did. Yeah, I didn't. I was surprised when I found out it was in the fifties. Fifty-two. Yeah. That's a lot of births, even for fifty-four if you include my own. I gotta just tell you, a lot of my doula friends uh, have not like or not. Well, they need to step it up. Friends. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you've you've thrown it down. <laughs> um, we did a podcast with you that was um, about dystocia. We talked about so your... So long ago. Yeah, it was it's ages weird. ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and you talked pretty openly about your first birth experience and how you, Gus, your little guy Gus, um, his head came out but then his shoulders got stuck mm-hmm. and all these different heroics that uh, took place, maneuvers that took place to help bring out the... Um, the shoulders, and uh, everybody was okay. Mm-hmm. And then uh, on your second baby, you had a hard time finding – you decided to have the baby at the hospital, um, but you had a hard time finding an obstetrician who could really get behind you and support you. And then you traveled around the United States from – Being a crazy person. Which you were long before you had kids. But it's uh, you traveled from New York to Hawaii and then eventually Los Angeles where you had your baby – uh, that just kind of flew out of you. No long pushing. <laughs> it was wings no included. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did your room have a window? I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. It happened so fast. <laughs> I was only in the room for like 35 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but in between those two births, you had another pregnancy. Mm-hmm. I did, yeah. 
And um, that pregnancy, how how far into the pregnancy? I was I was eight weeks when I had the miscarriage, and um, it's funny at the time of the miscarriage, I felt like eight weeks was so long into the pregnancy um, because I'd found out I was pregnant when I was around four weeks. Um, and were you trying to get pregnant? Yes. So is that why you found out early? Yeah, I had. I was hoping, you know, that you were pregnant. That I was. How old pregnant. was your your son at that point? So this was uh, July. So Gus was not two. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you were ready. Yeah, big time. I was ready when Gus was like six months old. <laughs> um, I just felt like I was in the. I'm in this. I was like in the zone, you know. And I was like, let's pop him out. We've always wanted to have two. Um, let's be efficient. <laughs> yeah, it's like both in diapers, but you know, let's do them close together. Um, you know, and I, I just, it just, I, I felt like I had the energy for it, um, and I was really excited. Um, and my husband was the one that was like, "We're a little, this, we should <laughs> let's hold on two seconds here." You know, so you didn't we have that do, maternal instinct. Yeah, we did do lots of sort of negotiating, and and then he was like, "All right, let's go for it." Um, that's how it usually is with the guys. Really? Yeah, I mean, you have your way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Want to make a baby? Want to make a baby? All right, let's just go for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we, so yeah, so then we got, we were pregnant, and I was so happy. Um, right away? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, we got pregnant the first time we tried, um, the first month. Um, and I was just so happy, and I felt I felt terrible, but it was fun. Felt, you mean like first trimester? Yeah, I felt nauseated, and uh, I was just not. It was just was not. It wasn't. It wasn't. I didn't feel good, but I had the most fun not feeling good because I was just so excited. Um, Were you throwing up? No, but I was just like achy and crampy, and you know. But anyway. Um, and tired. I was really tired and thirsty, you know. Early pregnancy Yeah, symptoms. but it was all fun. And mm-hmm. I downloaded, like, a pregnancy podcast. Not this one. I was already listening to this one. But um, uh-huh. a different one that was a week by week. Oh, yeah. And I was listening to, and I was, you know, let it, I didn't want to jinx it. So I was just, I was, like, really being strict about only listening to the week that I was on. But, and I, you know, I couldn't tell anybody that I was pregnant because I didn't want to jinx it and I was worried about everything and it's also super private and you know what I told my sister and I told a couple of really close friends and there's just lots of like screaming and squeals and it was just so freaking fun it's a happy time it was a really happy time and just looking at Neil and going oh gosh here we go you know you were in New York then we were in New York yeah were you still working on your show no what was I doing? I was getting ready to shoot a Hallmark movie. Oh, my favorite. Yeah, we were. I was producing a Hallmark movie. Really? Well, <laughs> my mother loves them, but she doesn't know how to record them, so I have to record them. It's a whole thing. Also, my friend who once co-hosted this podcast, Brian Hartzliger. Oh, is this he do them? Yeah, he does like Chris. He did a Christmas movie. Sure. For them, they're so good. And he's he's I like the most Hallmark Christmas movies. loving Jew really? there ever was. Yeah. <laughs> They're super sappy, right? They're like they're they're a genre though. Like they're they're really yummy. (laughs) They're really just delightful to watch, and people love them. Like what you would expect from a Hallmark movie. 
Exactly. Um, did someone just leave? No. Oh, okay. So, um, anyway, so I was, I was producing my first Hallmark movie, and I was really excited about that, and I was working really hard on it. Um, and we were pregnant, and I was like, how am I going to shoot this pregnant? We're going to work it out. We're going to, you know, I'll wear big bags and... And we were planning, you know, planning. It was going to be a February baby, I think, or March. Yeah. Um, and we were just planning my life then, like, oh, it's going to be winter, and we're going to we're going to be able to hole up with our new baby, and you know, wait we for were the thinking spring. All the and, way through. Yeah, that's what you do. I think I was thinking about it twenty four hours a day. Oh, that's huh. all I was thinking about. You know. Um, Did you tell Gus? We didn't tell Gus. I mean, he was little. He was little, <laughs> and I was a little worried about telling him. You know. Um. So then, uh, yeah, it was about eight weeks, and we went up to my dad's house for the night um, just to hang out. I just went up with Gus. And then we woke up in the morning. Gus and I woke up in the morning and went for a walk really early, like 6 a.m., and I didn't feel good. It was like a different level of not feeling good. I felt really intense cramps. And... You know, I think I'm sort of trained. I was sort of trained with my doula stuff to um, when you're feeling things intensely, it's like stuff is happening, you know. And I was like, you know, this baby is is growing today. This is a big growing day for this baby. Like I can tell, you know, something big, some big leap is happening today. Um and I remember sort of smiling through the pain. I was feeling really intense cramps, and I just felt like I was going to faint. And I, you know, I felt dizzy, and I felt really, really intense cramps. And I remember just smile, closing my eyes and smiling through them, and going, "Yes, you're getting stronger today, kid." You know. Um, and I got home to New York, and I was hung. I was like, I think I'm hungry. I think I just need I need a lot of calories, you know. That's what's going on. I'm, you know, I'm not feeling good and I'm just hungry and Gus is obsessed with pizza, obviously. Um so we were on the line for the the pizza area and we were sort of he loved looking at the fire. They've got like a big open fire. Where are you? At Whole Foods. Oh. <laughs> and uh they have a fire at Whole Foods? Yeah, they do on the ninety uh, sixth street um in Columbus. Oh. Um there's like a big sort of hearth to do their pizza oh that's where they build, uh, they make the pizza on the fire you gotta pay attention yeah. well i just i didn't even know you were in whole foods <laughs> we're in whole foods you so, said um, you said hungry <laughs> no, i'm hungry we were transmitted to whole foods <laughs> yes um so we uh so we yeah we were looking at the fire and talking and and i just felt i just felt something on my leg um, i was wearing these sh- shorts and I just looked down at my leg sort of instinctively and brought my hand up, and I was covered in really dark blood. Um, And Gus goes, what's that? And I just knew. And I I said, that's an emergency. Um, And I texted my husband, I think I need you to come home from work. And uh, Did your heart sink? Well, I was my heart sank, but then I was immediately like, "Oh, it's spotting," mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's what I didn't have this with Gus. That's what this is. This is spotting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I can, you know, Neil should probably come home, but I'm spotting. That's all, you know. And um, 
And I, I got up to the apartment and, and he came home and I was like, you know what, I'm spotting, but I do feel super duper dizzy. So I just want you here because I have Gus with me and I'm going to lie down. And I texted um, Carol Mulehan, who was my midwife when I was pregnant with Gus uh, and I was in New York at the time uh, for work. And I said, you know, I think something's happening. I'm pregnant. Something's happening. And I think, you know, I'm not really sure what to do. And. She asked me a lot of questions, and it's a little fuzzy because now this was a while ago, but she asked me what color it was and if there was a lot, and I, mm-hmm. you know, uh-huh. um, and, I, and I said, not really. And then I went to the bathroom, and there was just a lot of material. There was, like, a lot of material in the toilet. And, um, and, and that's like when my clots heart, and clo- big, yeah. big clots. Mm-hmm. Now I'm hungry. And that's when my heart sank. Um, because mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, this is this yeah. can't be good. Mm-hmm. But it was a Friday, and so I couldn't get into anyone's offices to confirm it. But mm-hmm. I just kind of knew. Um, and it was um, it was super shitty. My heart's sinking for you right now. Yeah, it was shitty. I just, I really, I really wanted that baby, and um. And I had seen forward to the life of that child, you know. And listen, I I don't think that baby was supposed to be realized. I think something was wrong. And that comforts me to this day um, because I want a happy, strong baby. I want a baby that, that can withstand me shooting a Hallmark movie in a tree for four weeks, which is what I ended up doing. And I want a baby that is born rambunctious and climbing on the, you know, jungle gym and, um, and I want an adventure and I want, you know, um, and I want to be scared if he hurts his head. And, you know, that was a big thing for me was like, we want, we want the, the big, strong babies that, you know, that can withstand life's hardships. And I, and I feel like I now have that with my two kids. I'm I'm not scared that they're not strong enough. And that was a big thing for me. I was like, this baby was was too weak. Um, and that helped. Um, but that that sort of weekend, things got very complicated. Um, because I have a network of girlfriends. Um, and immediately I reached, I don't remember who the first person I talked to was, but she said, oh, I had two miscarriages. And we had never talked about it. Mm-hmm. And I said, why didn't you tell me? And she said, because um, you didn't know I was pregnant in the first place. All right. You know? And I, and I didn't, what kind of a bummer is it to call someone and go, well, I was pregnant, and now I'm not. But, you know, she was like, I just wanted to swallow it and just get pregnant again. You know, it's just. It just was such a bummer to talk about. And um, when did you? You said it was Friday. It was a Friday night. So then I went in on Monday, and we just went to the emergency room on um, Friday. On no, Monday? on Monday. Were you still bleeding? Bleeding. I was still bleeding, um, and I wanted to confirm it. Um, and so, did you try calling your midwife? I did, and she or? said. She said, I don't have an ultrasound machine on me. I can't, you know, the details are a little fuzzy. But I ended up waiting the weekend. Okay. Um, was that a bad idea? 
Depending on how much bleeding. Uh, and I'm sure that she probably asked you those kinds of questions totally. to make sure that, you know, because it's the same as delivery. There's always a risk of hemorrhage. So uh, you just want someone to be paying attention. And I think it was um, steady but light after yeah. that initial really intense um, bunch <laughs> of material. Yeah, I mean, we call, it, light. we call it products of conception a lot yeah, of the time. Yeah, yeah. And um, once it passes through the cervix and the, fir- and the cervix can close back down completely, then usually the bleeding stops. But mm-hmm. if there's some material that's still there or is partially um, has passed, then that's when we can have a problem with bleeding. So, And how many days usually does the bleeding last? You know, it, it depends really on the varies. Yeah. And that's it. And it varies on how um, if it's a natural loss like you had or yeah. if you're using medical technology to be able to manage it. And lots of people make lots uh, of different choices. Sure. So yours sounds like so it just So is that passed. what they call a chemical pregnancy when I had? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and blighted ovum. Blighted ovum. Basically the same. It's like such a, honestly, thing. like beautiful, those two words together are like really pretty to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> is that messed up? <laughs> I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know if you never saw a heartbeat. You didn't ever do any of that, right? Because it was didn't. too early. I so just we don't, did. So it's hard know. to know. I peed yeah. on a stick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because blighted ovum really is like the sac and the placenta starts to develop, but, but there really isn't yeah. anything there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That could definitely, yeah, mm-hmm. definitely be what was going on. But yeah, I don't. I thought the term chemical pregnancy is like you get a positive pregnancy test, but there's nothing really going on there. I thought it comes from fertility treatment, but I could be wrong. I don't think it always comes from. No. I think they're synonymous terms. Blooded ovum, right? Got Which it. Which means that there's not actually a fetus. Or maybe there was. Yeah. We, right? don't, we don't know in we your case know. because you never right. saw You didn't do an ultrasound. Yeah. Don't know if there was a heartbeat. Yeah. Totally. Don't know if there was anything growing in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you do blood tests? You didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. I just peed on a stick. You were and pregnant I, and you had a loss. Yeah, totally. You mm-hmm. planned for a baby. You totally. prepared for a baby in your heart and your but life. But it's funny and... because in hindsight, I'm like, eight weeks doesn't feel that far. But I remember going for a month. I didn't feel well. I was managing pregnancy symptoms I was kind of feeling like a warrior, you know, and I was also going, okay, like, let's look at our finances and let's figure out if we can afford this and where are we going to put him, you know, and practical. You dove in. Totally. Yeah. Which I think I, and I, I think was just, you know, natural and responsible and, Mm -hmm. you know, but anyway, I was most fascinated by what to, where to go with the feelings because I, I, I didn't want to tell a bunch of people that um, that this had happened um, because I felt broken. Like I felt – I immediately was like, how did I ever conceive Gus? That feels like a miracle that I had a whole pregnancy and then I gave birth to a human. I can't believe I did that. That's definitely never happening again because that's impossible considering my broken body that's – incapable of reproducing, like immediately went to that level of, you know, my body is a failure. I couldn't, I, I'm not, you know, I couldn't carry that. You know, it, I, I can't express the broken feeling. The, Do you feel like your body let you down? I, I, yeah, I let the baby down was, oh. was, was worse. It was, I, I failed you spirit 
Yeah, I I think a lot of women do blame themselves either in that way that you're saying where it's something my body just doesn't work Mm -hmm. or I must have done something. I drank early in the pregnancy. I was too active. I didn't I didn't accept it into my heart. I mean, there's Mm -hmm. lots of ways that women. Oh, like emotionally. Mm -hmm, It's your fault. You blame yourself. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But the reality is that one out of three pregnancies are our losses. We, right. we Conceptions. <gasps> right. So, but, you know, yeah. Yeah. And, but I think also terminology is a big deal. And even the word loss sort of sounds like you did it. You lost this baby. Yeah. There was, there was a lot of words. I wrote an article um, for people.com about it um, and, and mentioned that the words associated with miscarriage were um, – I can't remember exactly what they were, but it was, you know, unproductive, you know, failure to, you know, it failure was. Failure is a big one. Yeah. Failure was big. And mm-hmm. um, and they were all things that just led me to, to feel that way. And they were all from the medical perspective, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the sort of diagnosis was, yeah, you couldn't you couldn't hang and you can't come to our party now, you know, was the feeling I got. You failed. It's, um, I don't know a better way to say it, but loss just seems like, I don't know, to me, and uh, I'm not personally affected by it in the same way that you ever could be. Uh, we, you know, our first uh, pregnancy, which took a while to happen, uh, we went in, we were so excited when it took well over a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were young. We must have been 20. I must have been like 27, and my wife was younger, 25, maybe even earlier. And uh, <clears throat> we saw the heartbeat. We were very excited. It was finally our time. A lot of our friends had already had mm. one or two babies during that time. And um, we went in for the 11-week checkup, and the doctor, when she took out the ultrasound, we were so excited to see the heartbeat again. And the doctor took out the ultrasound, and she's probing around, and you can see her face mm. um, not doing well. And she, she didn't – it was – the problem is she had no idea how to tell us what mm. she saw. Oh. And she, shouldn't she be trained in that? She was on the newer side. Mm. Oh, that's she's And I could see she was uncomfortable not knowing oh what to God. say. And I sort of can tell something was wrong. And so the way she said it was, she said, I have good news and I have bad news. And like, which like which do you want to hear first? I'm like, I, what does that mean? Like our hearts were sinking, our stomachs were sinking. And, and I was like, just say it. What do you have? And she said, well, it looks like there's two babies. And I didn't know if that was the good news or the bad news. And then she goes, but it doesn't look like either one of them made it. And it just was just all the blood rushed out of me. And I looked at my wife. I felt like mortified for her because I knew she felt like her body was like not doing what it needed to do. And we just asked her to leave. I was like, just go. We need some time. And it was so heavy. Mm-hmm. And of course, like you said, you didn't talk about it. We didn't talk about it to anybody. Mm-hmm. And in our community, like if you're married nine months and you don't have a baby, everybody's like, what's mm-hmm. going on? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. It's taking so long. So let's do this. Let's take a little break and come back. Because I think that my purpose in doing this 
podcast, and when I saw you shared your loss, mm-hmm. um, your experience, um, I was really touched by it because I was like, why don't we talk about this more? It makes it so much harder to feel like, Bliss, you said one in three conceptions turns out That's so not much. growing into a complete job. Isn't that amazing that we just don't? I thought it was we, one in four. We That's just crazy. don't Even talk so, about it. 25%, 33%, mm-hmm. it's a big number. Mm-hmm. You know, when you talk about millions of pregnancies every year, there's people mm-hmm. all around you. And what you go on to find out is that pretty much everybody who has a bunch of kids had at least a miscarriage mm-hmm. along the way. Mm-hmm. But you feel so heavy and so alone and so um, isolated, and I don't think it has to be that way. So when we come back, we maybe we can talk a little bit about both sides of that coin. Like what what stops us from talking about it, and how can we all talk about it a little bit more so that it, nobody feels so alone and foreign and like why me? Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, how do you respond to that? Mm-hmm. Let's take a little break, and we'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by an innovative product that's made a big difference for parents and babies alike, Dr. Mom Butt Bomb. As a parent of four, I've had my fair share of battles with diaper rash, often resorting to thick, unpleasant pastes. I only recently discovered Dr. Mom Butt Bomb, and I was immediately impressed by its pleasant consistency and ease of application. This pediatric-approved skin protectant is free from dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, making it perfect for your baby's sensitive skin. It's designed by a doctor who's also a mom, ensuring your little one gets the gentlest care. A small dab is all it takes to soothe and protect, avoiding the mess and hassle of traditional treatments. With ingredients like dimethicone and petrolatum, Dr. Mom Butt Bomb not only soothes, but also restores your baby's delicate skin. Available on Amazon.com and Walmart.com, it's the smart choice for every parent wanting to keep diaper rash at bay. Remember, with Dr. Mom Butt Bomb, nothing comes between you and your baby. Not even diaper rash. Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ellie Berlin. I'm here with two amazing guests, midwife Bliss Young and Ashley Williams, who once again is uh, sharing hungry. very openly and <laughs> hungry. Once again is hungry. We did notice everything that happens for you <laughs> makes you hungry, which is, that's why I feel like I, I relate really to like you. I like my food. I it's love good. food. That's, I think, the only thing we have that much I'm in working common. on a TV show right now called Taste Buddies. I'm developing oh, it, good. and it's all about cooking with kids. Yum. Oh, reality? It's me and my friend. <laughs> She's a reality. <laughs> my friend Alicia Reiner, who's an actress, and we're starting a show called Taste But it's not Buddies. scripted? It's no. like just cooking with kids. Mm-hmm. I had one called Little Sue. Are you kidding? It's like chopped. Uh-huh. But oh, like all the chef. competitors. Oh, little Sue, that's cute. But all the competitors are these little like kids that are oh, that's twelve and cute. under, and their sous chef is one of their parents who does all the knife work. Smart. Yeah, little Sue, mm-hmm. but it's really like big Sue. 
I love that. I love that idea. I think that we should eat at the next podcast. <gasps> but that sounds we terrible. All yeah, because the, you go, yeah, you amplify all the chewing know, and the slapping the around. <laughs> Nobody wants to listen to that while they're working out. <laughs> I got 10 more calories to burn. This pizza is delicious right off the big fire at Whole Foods. <laughs> the big fire. All right. So, um, yeah, we were talking about miscarriage and um, especially early miscarriage. I think, actually, you were talking about how, like, you don't want to talk, tell Gus. You don't want to tell your right. friends. I mean, you don't want to jinx it. No. But, you know, that first trimester is sort of the woodsy period where where, yeah. where you're figuring, the baby's sort of figuring out, it's is it compatible like, with life or not? Really, like, one of the most unjust things about pregnancy, I think, is that when you most need the seat on the subway or for someone to, like, help you out oh. with your luggage, it's those first three months when no, you don't, you're not showing. And by the time you're, like, seven months and you're on the subway, everyone's like, oh, take the seat. And you're like, I don't need you now. Yeah. I needed uh, you back then. Where ready? were you? <laughs> you know? Well, you should get a shirt. Yeah, when you're when you're newly pregnant. Yeah. No, Announce you don't it. want to tell anybody. That's whose fault is that? Well, see, this is my, this is my point. Actually, is I do think newly pregnant women, even though I know it's personal, I would encourage. In hindsight, I wish I'd told more people about the miscarriage and about the pregnancy. Well, I think it's very personal because mm-hmm. I know a lot of people, too, who, you know, announced it and told lots of people and then it was really hard for them to go back later and have right. to tell all those people. But why is it hard? Like, I mean, it's hard. Like, why? You mean it's hard because you have to tell the story over and over and right. over again. right. Yeah, you have to go through it. And some people, you know, for, but I think just like everything that we talk about on the show, I think it's a very personal choice. Absolutely. Um, I wish it's that I'm talking for me personally. Yeah, that we should Mm -hmm. be really informed. And I think that's a great perspective is that some people may want more people there to walk them through this journey and to feel like you're sharing it with people. And other people, you know, really want it to continue to be something that. They don't have to talk to everybody about Absolutely. because, you know, you're talkative, you're outgoing, you like yeah. to connect with people, and the, and other people are very private and shy. So, so then the question becomes, how do you normalize miscarriage, mm-hmm. you know? Um, because I do feel like in general talking about things and, on, you know, with honesty often helps normalize things. But, you know, I, I – it's complicated because you don't want to be cavalier like, well, I'm pregnant, but I'm just – it's just cells dividing, whatever, <laughs> you know, um, it's because a it's a ball. life and it's a big deal. Um, but at the same time, I, I, you know, I think talking about, you know, a miscarriage and saying like, yeah, this just happened to me. Uh, I mean I was big on like – you know, if I, I started saying like, well, I had a miscarriage a couple of weeks ago and I would see people's faces just fall and then I, I was embarrassed and then I felt bad oh. for myself. And you know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. how do you, I don't know how to navigate this. It's very complicated. I think normalizing miscarriage or, or taking away the, the misconception. That's a terrible <laughs> word. To <laughs> that should be the name of this web, Misconceptions. This uh, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's sort of easy to laugh about it. And for all of us, for both of us, it's in hindsight. But, um, and, and we had more kids afterwards, right? But, it is it is a missed fact that people assume the number is really small. Mm-hmm. Once you get pregnant, this is going to turn into a because you see babies birth. everywhere you go, and you yeah. go, "All these babies were conceived." I remember thinking about it because um, you'd read 
sometimes in the newspapers this some celebrity got pregnant and she's announcing it. I'm like doing the math and she's only nine weeks. I'm like, how do you know? How do you know that's going to become a baby? Because we had lost, you know, we we had that loss with the twins. So well, and culturally, I think a lot of times you you know you you hear that don't tell anybody until you're past twelve weeks, and most mm-hmm. of the miscarriages happen or losses or however you want to state it happen before twelve weeks. So I think that's where a lot of times people don't announce it before that time. Isn't there a statistic about once you've seen the heartbeat, it goes down considerably? But I can't remember the mm-hmm, actual number. But yeah, it goes down considerably once there's a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that we didn't, you know, that we didn't really talk about that you touched on just a little bit is that the majority of these losses are because there's something that has not developed properly within the baby and it's like nature's way of eliminating these babies and it knows that. Mm-hmm. So I think that sometimes for women that is a comforting thought to know. And, you know, I work with Dr. Fishbein and I've been there many times in those moments where, you know, the ultrasound goes on and and then it comes right back off. And mm. and I know. Cause that I means just, either it's a miscarriage or twins. <laughs> yes, probably <laughs> right. true. Yes, yes. Um, but, um, you know, I can't remember. I lost my train of thought. Oh, <laughs> You've been there many times. When... I, have, I have been there many times. And I've seen him navigate the conversation before. And, you know, he, he really impresses upon these women. There was nothing that you could have done. I really want to tell you that before you go home, that this is not your fault. This this happens, you know. We, we, not everything is a guarantee. And we just talked about the statistics. So I think that's one of those things that, you know, if we're going to talk about normalizing this is just to remind women that, you know, this happens. It's part of the selection process and that it is a normal part of it. And it's not that we have done something to cause it or that our bodies aren't working. I still think it was my fault. Like, yeah. I think you can tell me till you're blue in the face that it wasn't my fault, but I, I have theories. I think maybe if you would have eaten more. <laughs> <laughs> Impossible. Yeah. I have theories about my body all the time going on, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, recently I've been more tired. I probably need more vitamin D. You know, I, I just make up things all the time and, and I'm sort of navigating my health every day as everybody is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I recently had thyroid cancer and... I was on Synthroid and I hadn't gotten my levels checked recently and immediately I was like, oh, I caused this because I hadn't gotten my levels checked and I immediately went in to go get a blood test to see what the levels were and they were perfect. So I was like, well, it's not that. It must be, you know, and I I, I had a running list of theories about right. what I had done wrong. Right. But if you had gone into that pregnancy knowing two things, number one, miscarriage is very common in the first trimester. And, you know, while the odds are in your favor this is going to make it through to the second trimester, there's a significant odd that it won't. And number two, that what your body is doing during that time is trying to see if this baby is compatible with life, Mm. if this is a healthy baby that's compatible with life or not. It's a selection process that takes place on many levels even before the conception takes place, Mm -hmm. right, even with the egg and the sperm. And then they have to meet and be compatible. Um, It's just a part of the selection process that takes place most often. And if you knew both of those things going in, that that it's – in my mind, I almost think about it like this, right? If you have two kids who both ate poison mm-hmm. and one looks awful and is throwing up and sweating and seems green and the other one looks fine, which one's healthier? Mm. It's the kid who's getting rid of that mm. toxin mm. poison. The other kid's in trouble if he can't get that out of himself, right? So the healthy thing is for your body to take things that don't 
that aren't compatible and flush them out mm-hmm. and try again next time. Mm-hmm. That can be devastating on an emotional level because you were ready to have a baby and you wanted that baby and you can already taste that baby and plan, you know, start planning for that baby. But it shouldn't be devastating on a level of like, why me? Why am I the one in a million that That's this happens That's what's crazy to? is that I w- and it's felt not. so broken. And it's not. Mm-hmm. And then what's wrong with me? It's actually it's, could have been what's right with you. Right. right. What if that baby makes it to 22 weeks and isn't compatible with life? Listen, I have given, I have said those words to friends of mine who've had miscarriages, and I believe that. But I, I, I'm just speaking very honestly, deep, deep down, I still think it's my fault. And I still think something's wrong with me. Like, and I, and I don't know what that's about. And uh, it might be part of you know, my me sort of having to figure out my my problems in the as I navigate this planet. But um, you, I think you can know intellectually yes. these things, but you mm-hmm. don't know in your bones or in your uterus. You know, deep down, it's I still I'm still like, what did you do? And I don't know what I did. I don't. I wasn't drinking a lot. I don't know what I did. But I did some. I still feel that way. But I would never say that to a friend because, my God, of course it's not her fault. She didn't do anything wrong. That's natural selection. And I, that's, I can see my, it's just different when it's you. And I don't know why. When it's you? It's different when it's me. Yeah. I shouldn't speak for everybody. Right. But you also are in a culture where people don't talk about miscarriage. The assumption is that it doesn't happen very often. Mm-hmm. And the assumption is that you could have prevented it. Like it, that it's always a bad thing. Like you you weren't strong enough, healthy enough, didn't do enough to hold on to this healthy baby. And it's like a big black bummer when you talk about it. Everyone just goes, oh, like mm-hmm. I don't know if we know how to talk about it. Well, that's the next thing I want to talk mm-hmm. about. But in, in your case in particular, you don't even know if there was a baby in there. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. you feel guilty for not saving right. it. <laughs> that's, it, it. It's hard. And you're not alone. I, no, I, mean, I talk to women in our office all the time who are now pregnant with their uh, next baby, you know, their next pregnancy. And they are thriving towards the middle or end of the pregnancy. But they still are not going to rest until they're holding that kid, mm-hmm. even at 39 weeks and five days. They still can't can't let go of the fact that they might lose it. I get that. I felt that way all through my pregnancy with Odie. I get it, too. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you say? Like, what did did your friends say when you called them? They said, oh, my God, that happened to me. Basically, (laughs) everybody. Yeah. Um, And that's part of that normalizing, right? Yeah. We do talk about it openly together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That helped. But then I was, like, mad at them because I hadn't really known. known I'd known about a couple, but it was just, it was so common. You know, and I just couldn't believe, I just can't, I couldn't believe that, like, when you pee on the stick, it doesn't say, well, you're technically pregnant, but let's not get excited. Like, well, instead that, of just pregnant, exclamation disclaimer. It doesn't yeah. fit on the little screen. That they, have <laughs> they should make a bigger screen. It should be Bluetooth. You should pee on Don't the stick and then a message excited. should show up on your phone. <laughs> It'll be like, here's a picture of the baby, too. Um, it looks like your mother. Yeah, it was... Um, and I also think, by the way, it was it was very complicated for my husband, who is the most loving, supportive human I know. Um, I think he, as men, many men are, he's a fixer and hates to see me in pain. And 
one of the first things he said to me was, okay, come on, let's get you in the shower. Come on, you're all right. You know, which on some days that might really work, you know, and in this moment wasn't right. And I think he hadn't, if I had none, he had none. I didn't know. Anything. No I didn't idea. Know what to say. I didn't know what to feel. Because none of his friends feel. had ever talked to him about it. Um, yeah. And I think he was lost. I remember being lost. I was sad myself. Right. And I was devastated for my wife. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing you can do. You know, I I remember just being in the car and like punching the steering wheel mm. alone when after she wasn't with me mm. and cussing. You were mad. I was mad. You were mad. I was just mad at the universe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. For like, why do we have to suffer like this? And if you could, I think in the moment, if you could give us a crystal ball and say, oh, don't worry, you're going to have. You're going to have other babies. Four kids every other year, you know. Was it a why me? I think there was a why me aspect, why us element of it. Uh, this is like we're very – we're not even in – just at the beginning of grad school at this point. Mm-hmm. So I was not uh, – I was far from being in the maternal health field. Mm. I didn't know anything. And so there was definitely a YS aspect, and mm-hmm. I was just like, why? I, I felt for her much more than for me. Like, why does she have to suffer like mm-hmm. this? This is not fair. And I assumed it doesn't happen to most people. Mm-hmm. And now you know a little bit differently. Yeah, we didn't yeah. want to tell anybody. Yeah. She didn't want to tell anybody. Yeah. I don't want to tell anybody. So we just struggled with it by ourselves. I think she maybe told her sister. And so it was that, like... What what was the reason behind not wanting to tell anybody? Was it feeling like the shame of like feeling like? Yeah, I think all of the above. It yeah. was, uh, it was just, yeah, shame and like we don't know if it'll ever work down the road. Like mm-hmm. like Ashley was saying, like you know we broke one. Um, mm-hmm. we, you know we robbed that that kid in our case twins, mm-hmm. and we did see a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, just one heartbeat. We saw one. The other one was, I guess, camera shy or never had a heartbeat. I don't know. We only saw one. Anyway, I don't don't know. There's never a right answer. I feel like when when people talk to me about their experience, especially when they're devastated, my best best response is just listening. Yep. Holding space. Holding space and just letting her or him. Sometimes it's the dads that have a hard time. Um, just letting them process out loud a little bit. And then when the time is right, especially if there is all that guilt and, and why, why, why the, I get to win the negative lottery, then to sort of explain it's pretty common and it's not always, you know, it's not a, a negative thing health-wise. It, mm-hmm. it could be a quite healthy thing to do. But it doesn't make it easier to... Mm-hmm. You know, to handle, again, if you're very ready and attached. And I, I sort of feel like in the first trimester, it would be nice if we can say I'm pregnant and somebody takes that as, oh, okay, let's see what happens, you know. The problem is we squeal and we it's a party. Like I just remember feeling like pregnancy was the party and I was no longer invited to the party. I couldn't – I wasn't allowed to go to prenatal meetings anymore. You know what I mean? I It was it – was, everybody else was – I was no longer interesting to birth professionals. You know what I mean? It's just, it's. I remember something else, which it just hit me. We were going to that 11 or 12 week checkup. And then 
we I had already thought about how we're going to tell everybody mm-hmm. who oh, we're going to call God. first and tell our family. We're just waiting for that last bit of confirmation. Oh, we're going to mm-hmm. go, and then it was like we were so devastated, and we we couldn't even. Nobody can commiserate with us or help us emotionally because they didn't even know that we were about to tell them this great news that now we couldn't tell them. And mm-hmm. It made it so much harder. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I don't know if we would be the people that say, hey, look, we're five five weeks pregnant, you know, we'll let you know. Mm-hmm. Without the squeal, without the excitement. It's just like if it was a standard thing that was like, hey, we, we got one in there, let's wait and see what happens. I mean, that's what I wish I had done just because I think it's kind of – like rad you know because nobody else does it yeah a little bit it would be so ashley done told early yeah like Mm -hmm. told super early and been Mm -hmm. like but not made it a party just been like yeah we're technically pregnant who knows i i don't want to drink i feel nauseous you know Mm -hmm. i feel like i'm going to put a little form on the website basic Mm -hmm. just basic um you know what to say I don't know what what comforted maybe a little form or or you know yeah what comforted you if it, if mm-hmm. you experienced it mm-hmm. or what really what did people say that really didn't work oh yeah I've heard, yeah, a, lot. I've heard like a, lot I had a lot of that. a lot of people say well you were only eight weeks that did not help or it's God's will or you know oh interesting and I think maybe for some people that oh don't worry you'll have more like it invalidates that didn't help for me either right it invalidates that. This baby is not coming. This mm-hmm. experience won't be completed. I'm feeling a loss in this moment. Mm-hmm. And like really – and I think, you know, what you said about just listening is really good because some women are relieved and some mm-hmm. women are not. Right. And so if you automatically assume what this woman is feeling or man, um, you can really trip up on something. So really being able to just – you know, be there and ask questions about what what are they feeling um, is is a really, really good thing. And the other thing I wanted to say is that, you know, in terms of like fertility issues, because, you know, when we talk about like, am I ever going to be able to get pregnant again? Is this something that I did? Is my body broken? They say after three miscarriages, although to think about having three in a row seems horrible, right? But really, after three, then you can really know that it's something that you have to look deeper into. Maybe mm-hmm. you could even do it after two, but it's but it's so common in terms of statistics that you can't necessarily assume that, a- that after one or two that it means that there's something wrong with you or your partner and mm-hmm. that you're actually having fertility issues. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Yeah. Ashley, when you got pregnant the third time... Mm-hmm. With your second baby, um, how was your first trimester? I mean, <laughs> well, see, I just want to say one crazy thing. <laughs> the next time I ovulated after that miscarriage, we got pregnant. Oh with wow! Cody. It was like Holy seven cow. weeks or something after the miscarriage. Um, it was super fast. Did you feel ready? Um, I was extremely surprised. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was a little stuck on that previous sort of spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, like I was still a little bit hung up on him. I call it a him because I think I only make boys. <laughs> um, Technically, Neil makes boys. but <laughs> <laughs> Right. Um, but I was kind of like um, – I was very scared that it was going to happen again, mm-hmm. mostly. Mm-hmm. 
And I was also like, but what about that other guy? Like, are we just done with him? Mm-hmm. You know, because I was still stuck on him. And I had a friend that had gotten pregnant right at the same time. And she was living in my building. And we were do we were had been doing it initially the exact same time. And I was watching her pregnancy unfold. And, and it was like uh, sliding doors. You know, I was like, that's where I would be. But now I'm. Okay. Now I'm behind. Now that you said that, I remember that being more salt on an open wound. This is also long ago for me because now we have thank thank goodness we have four healthy kids and they're mm. amazing. But it's amazing. But that first pregnancy, it was we were going to tell everybody the next day, and then instead of us telling everybody, other people were telling everybody, "Hey, we're twelve weeks pregnant," and then that just was like a knife through the it, heart. I felt like everybody was pregnant when I had my miscarriage. And I, I could spot stages. a pregnant person a block away and be like, "It's like it's like a disease. Everybody's pregnant." You know, because all I could see was pregnant women. And it's just what you said. Like, now they're 20 weeks and they're excited yep. about this. And they're ha- and then they're having their baby shower. And mm-hmm. and you're just still having... I still have it with my friend. My friend Dana's baby. And I'm still... At, I see the markers and I go, that's what he would be now. I still do it. Does she yeah. know? Yeah, I think I told her that. Well, she knows now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's hard. So then one of the other things is, you know, depending on a woman's experience, I would say that, you know, being able to do like a ritual or Mm. something sacred for yourself where you feel like you honored that baby, Mm. that soul, that experience. Oh, I want to do that. You know, that might be really helpful for women. And so, you know, that might be another thing that as we talk to people is being able to offer that suggestion, Mm. you know, would it be helpful for you for us to, you know, plant a tree or... Or take a photograph of something or frame something or make art or, you know, Mm -hmm. gather women around or whatever would work for you. But I think, you know, what you're pointing to something that's really important for a lot of women is Mm -hmm. that it was you you began a future with this baby, this Mm -hmm. soul, this pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And so just to be like, oh, that's gone. I'm going to move on. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of women have a really hard time with that because they've already bonded. Totally. Men don't necessarily write until after, although they have their own experience. But women, as soon as they find out, it's like you. I think when you're struggling to get pregnant for a while, then as soon as one's in there, you're just. I think Mm -hmm. for me, anyway, I Mm -hmm. bonded right away. Yeah. Um, And then seeing that little heartbeat, like it just. It's so sweet. It is just a heartbeat, but to me, I saw the whole baby. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that on a spiritual level, I feel like even though it's a, a pregnancy that may not be compatible with life and mm-hmm. it's it's sort of a good thing for your body to recognize that and expel it, I think there is something to it. It's a, it's a, some sort of life form that was in you, in this world, through you for a short period of time. In my mind, there's some reason for that. I don't mm-hmm. know what it is, if it's something for that potential life to have needed to be here for a tiny period of time or you needed to have that experience for some reason. Um, So I think that marking that with something, any of those um, rituals that you mentioned um, can be really Well, and I had one midwife tell me that when you are pregnant with a baby, that baby's blood is in your bloodstream. DNA. DNA Mm -hmm. forever. Mm -hmm. Like to this day, I have the DNA of that. Of that guy in me. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes me feel good. Yeah. Well, this was another important conversation. Not. Mm -hmm. um, Thank you for doing it. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for being here. It's not as chipper and. 
I disagree. Upbeat, you I'm do. Starving. That's a lot of our, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of our other uh, episodes, but I think it's an important one. And also, it's sort of important to note that we're talking about early miscarriages in the first trimester, mm-hmm. and pregnancy loss in later trimesters is a, a completely different. It's different. Mm-hmm. Um, experience that perhaps we'll address at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am going to put a link with a little form for comments mm-hmm. on our website, informedpregnancy.com. You click on listen and then scroll down to this episode, which I guess is going to be called Misconceptions. It's <laughs> great. And um, just, yeah, share your experiences. There's uh, one thing's clear. There's no no two people are alike mm-hmm. and there's no right and wrong here. So we can't, you know, we can't know what somebody else will need. We mm-hmm. sometimes don't even know what we need. I, I, all I need is food. That would be very interesting, though, to see what people what people. I would say. I can't wait to read that. Yeah, what people. And I think post liberally the work. What worked? What was great? And the things that people said or did that really wasn't helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that did or didn't. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you for listening to the Informed Pregnancy and Parenting podcast. Share us with your friends so they can be informed as well, and visit us online. For access to our blog documentaries and other pregnancy and parenting resources and the conversation about today's episode at informedpregnancy.com. This episode is sponsored by an innovative product that's made a big difference for parents and babies alike, Dr. Mom Butt Bomb. As a parent of four, I've had my fair share of battles with diaper rash, often resorting to thick, unpleasant pastes. I only recently discovered Dr. Mom Butt Bomb, and I was immediately impressed by its pleasant consistency and ease of application. This pediatric-approved skin protectant is free from dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, making it perfect for your baby's sensitive skin. It's designed by a doctor who's also a mom, ensuring your little one gets the gentlest care. A small dab is all it takes to soothe and protect, avoiding the mess and hassle of traditional treatments. With ingredients like dimethicone and petrolatum, Dr. Mom Butt Bomb not only soothes, but also restores your baby's delicate skin. Available on Amazon.com and Walmart.com, it's the smart choice for every parent wanting to keep diaper rash at bay. Remember, with Dr. Mom Butt Bomb, nothing comes between you and your baby. Not even diaper rash.